Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you might be right now, I'd like to thank you for joining me today on a wonderful episode on the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I created this podcast series to help women demystify hormonal issues and struggles and everything that dances in between. And today's episode, Debunking Common Exercise and Diet Myths. I've been wanting to do a podcast on this for the longest time, and I'm delighted because I have an awesome guest that will be joining me in a few minutes. He's an expert in exercise physiology. He is a coach. He's a personal trainer. He's actually one of the head coaches for Orange Theory down here in Charleston. He's a dear friend, a go-to person for me anytime I have questions around women's fitness. I think we get along so well because we're both earth signs. He's a Virgo, I'm a Taurus, and we just hit it off. And his name, I almost forgot, is Rob Spragus, and I'm going to bring him on in a few minutes. But there's a tremendous amount of conflicting and confusing and really bad information out there regarding women, diet, exercise, and fitness that is totally wrong, not based in clinical research or science, and wreaking havoc on women's hormones and body composition. And I have seen women stop having a menstrual cycle. I have seen women having issues with fertility. I have seen women that have been working out like a maniac and suddenly they're putting weight on and they can't get it off and they've blown out their adrenals. A lot of things happen when we don't have the right information. So hopefully today, Rob and I are going to provide you with some awesome stuff and we will have a great dialogue. You know, there's an expression and I'll paraphrase. If you say something enough times over and over, people eventually believe it to be true when it's not. So let me give you a great example. Back in the 70s, in the late 70s, there was the seven country study, and that was published by a researcher named Ansel Keys. He is not one of my favorite people. There are times I would like to smack him with a phone book. And the reason for that, this study, terribly flawed selective, cherry-picked to support his ill-based study that basically stated that a low-fat diet that included 6 to 11 servings of carbs daily, we're talking rice, pasta, bread, and crackers, could reduce our risk for heart disease. Ooh, ooh, that was a really flawed study. Common sense went out the window with this one. And look where a low-fat diet has gotten Americans today. We are on the obesity train. Healthy fats help us absorb vitamins like vitamin D. Vitamin D is important to your immune system. Can reduce your risk for breast cancer. Reduce inflammation. It creates a feeling of being full, of being satiated. It helps us to lose weight, not gain weight. And what do carbs do? They elevate insulin. And what is insulin? It is the fat storage hormone. It's not fat that's making us fat. It's carbs. So today, Rob and I are going to focus on the right way to eat, the right way to work out with cardio and strength training, the right way to recover, and the smart way to achieve a healthy and optimal body composition where you're not killing yourself and causing injuries. And I find so many women are working out way too much. I always have this image in my mind of a hamster on a wheel that's spinning and spinning and going nowhere. 
I'm your host, Meg Ricci. I've been an integrative women's health practitioner, been around the block for 26 years. I've seen a lot. And I'm a virtual women's health detective. I provide nutrition and hormone lifestyle counseling to women around the country. I peel back the onion to help women figure out why they're struggling with various aspects of their health. And a big struggle for so many women is around diet and exercise, struggling with weight loss, struggling with not being able to shed those pounds. And I see women also restricting and counting calories and getting nowhere. And I see a lot of women experiencing a dysregulation of their hormones. If you want to look good, improve body composition, what you eat matters more than how you work it off. 80% of your body composition dependent upon what sits at the end of your fork. And 20% or so is dependent upon exercise and a mixture of strength training and cardio. So how do we find a healthy balance. That's what Rob and I are going to explore today. So Rob, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. Hey Meg, thanks for having me. So we, this always seems to happen before I start a podcast. I get the guys outside the window with the blowers, literally at the moment I'm starting to record. And if you heard the cursing coming out of my mouth, so it gave us, uh, Rob and I, uh, a chance because we tried to start three times and that guy just kept coming right up to my window. We got to really talk a little more about what we're going to be taking a deep dive into. And Rob, where do you want to start the conversation today? Oh, gosh. <laughs> which which one to talk talk about first? Let's talk about protein. Let's talk, okay. about, let's talk about protein and, and, um, and why it doesn't make you bulky. Well, you start the conversation. I'm going to join in. I have seen time and time again and heard time and time again from so many, not just and, and women, but mostly females about how I'm so afraid of becoming bulky. I don't want to eat protein. I don't want to do that because I don't want to get any bigger. I'm like, well, why do you feel that way? Well, that's what I read about on the internet. That's what my friend told me. She was following this thing and she was told not to eat more protein. I'm like, well, did we, did we consider the source? Did we fact check where that came from? Or are we just going to believe everything we've heard on the internet? You know, I, my father told me at a young age, consider the source. So if you trust someone, you know, you can take what they say for, you know, for what it is. But if you don't, if you have no idea who that person is and you think somebody just told you that, go look it up. Don't be afraid to use the accessibility that we have in today's age to go find out some answers. So, but protein is not something that makes you bulky. Protein is the building blocks of muscles and, and our hormones, everything, everything. I mean, you know, I mean, protein is, it's so, this is important if I can just interject. Yeah, please. Proteins create the structural framework for our hormones. Amino acids derived from proteins, such as chicken, salmon, grass-fed beef, bison, again, are the building blocks for a woman's hormones, such as a woman's reproductive and sex hormones, also including her thyroid hormones, her adrenal hormones, her neurotransmitters. Now, if a woman is not consuming enough protein, then her amino acid profile is going to be low. It's going to be deficient. And this can negatively affect her estrogen receptors and the hormone insulin-like growth factor, IGF-1. And both of these are needed to thicken the lining of the uterus during the menstrual cycle. And if the uterus lining doesn't thicken, an egg can't implant 
preventing pregnancy. And again, I cannot say how frequently I see this being an issue for many women with unexplained infertility issues and real and facing the challenges of trying to hold a pregnancy. All because they didn't eat enough protein. They're not eating enough protein. Protein is a bit of a superstar in women's health, and it is very much so in my clinical practice. It's overlooked, and as I've mentioned before in other podcasts and probably today, it's demonized. But the benefits are incredible, and most women don't eat enough protein. Protein creates a sense of satiety, a sense of fullness that diminishes cravings for sugar and carbs. It's incredible because a lot of times when women are craving sugar and carbs, aside from getting vegetables and fiber, it's because they're lacking protein. And that to me is like the magic bullet in women's health. So it improves weight loss, body composition, stabilizes blood sugar. And I like women to aim for 30 or so grams of protein, starting with the first meal of the day, breakfast. Yeah, in a meal, not a day. In a meal. <laughs> not, a, not 30 yeah. grams a day. I mean, yeah, what's interesting about, gosh, there are so many things I want to say, but protein is, I mean, I would like to start with, let's talk about breakfast and talk about the importance of eating a meal that includes having protein and healthy fat and fiber. Yeah, it is the, the most important meal of the day, 100%. I mean, if if you take the word breakfast and split it in half, you are breaking a fast that you were that you were in overnight while you slept. So making sure that you fill it appropriately first to start the day is so critical to your health. And not only is breakfast not taken as seriously, but it's also missed. It's people are just skipping it altogether. Yeah. I mean, people are saying they don't have enough time or here's another one. People say, I'm not hungry in the morning. So yeah, that's not good. My answer and my response to that is how late did you eat last night? Right. Are you actually having problems digesting your food where you still have not digested your meal from the night before? Yeah, that's a problem. Are you under a lot of stress? And sometimes it, it can take women a little time to, you know, start feeling that, that hunger signal. And a great way to start the morning to stimulate that is to start with a glass of water and a, a squeeze of a half a lemon and a pinch of sea salt. And this starts to stimulate your digestion. Mm -hmm. It's like a morning, morning a margarita. Of, your morning margarita. That's right. And, you know, if you're not hungry, I think a protein shake is a great way to start the day. It's huge. You've got to you give your body something to do. I mean, your, your metabolism is like your body's engine, right? The, the analogy I try to make that I think resonates the most simplest way with people is your metabolism is like an engine in a car, right? If you want to go drive your car, you got to put gas in it. If yeah. you don't put gas in it, you can't go anywhere. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> that's actually I mean, what I have here. I mean, if you don't put the, gas in the tank, you ain't going to go anywhere. That's right. I mean, and it, and you need to fuel it. You have a whole day's worth of things that are going to happen from, you know, from the external side of living through life, going to work, taking care of your kids, trying to go to the gym and exercise, yard work, whatever it may be. But then also internally, you are reproducing muscle cells. You are trying to work on reproductive system, digestion. Yeah. All of these things are also happening and your nutritional intake directly affects how well or not well that's going to go. 
You know, I have said to women, the easiest thing that you can do in the morning, and it takes two minutes, is to make a really good protein shake. And I, Designs for Health makes a really good paleo protein. It's a beef-based protein that has a lot of branched-chain amino acids. Mm -hmm. Or you can get a really clean rice pea protein. Mm -hmm. Again, there's not an affiliation where I'm being paid for mentioning these companies, but Metagenics makes a really good, clean, pure rice pea protein. And what women can do is they can put some MTC oil in that. They can put a scoop of phytogreens in it. I like Nutridyne. It comes in different flavors. Uh And you can, like 12 ounces of water, you could do almond milk if you want. Sometimes I think we're doing way too many nut milks in the morning. Well, yeah, the the nut market has been uh, Oh, my God. And I'm seeing so much in food sensitivity. So to make life easy, and I'm going to repeat myself, aim for 30 grams of protein, get some chia seeds, put some flaxseed, put some good fiber into that shake. Get some phytogreens. If you want to put a big chunk of spinach in there, put that in there, but rotate it. You know, do your phytogreens, do, do spinach. You can do other greens. And uh, MTC oil, great way to jump kickstart your metabolism. If you don't want to do that, put some avocado in there. Avocado is a great fat. And what you're doing is you're getting healthy carb, healthy protein, and healthy fat, and you're getting fiber. And guess what? That's going to hold you that's a until you, that's your breakfast. Yeah. And that's a great way to start your day. And I think that's an easy remedy for a lot of people that are on the go. We have to make time for breakfast. We have to make time to eat because our priorities, I think, have been a little, little wonky sure. over the years. Eating, you know, your apothecaries in the kitchen. And how you eat and what you ate really sets the stage for your whole day and also your body composition. Absolutely. And I know you wanted to talk about a little about the the intermittent fasting. Oh, God. (laughs) It stresses me out every time I hear it. I just, I, again, I'm back to the whole, have you read about it? Do you actually know how it works or are you just going to stop eating for a while? Right. Intermittent fasting is the idea of, you know, kind of a time-restricted window to consume your food and get your your meals in, and then the rest of the time you're in a, quote, fasted state. Well, to be in a fasted state, you your body has to be empty. You have to have completely digested all of the things that you just previously consumed. So most of the time people think, oh, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a 12-12. I'm going to consume for 12 hours and then fast for 12 hours. Well, if you eat your last meal, let's just say you go from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's a 12-hour window to consume. If you eat your last meal at 8 p.m. and then like, okay, well, now I'm fasting from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. overnight. You're not. You just ate food. Your body has food in it for at least the next three and a half to four hours until depending on what you ate and how big you are, it's going to take a couple hours for you to fully process and digest that food. Once you have digested and processed it, then you become empty and you are now in a fasted state. So your 12-hour fast is really only eight hours. And it's and then people go, well, it's not working. It doesn't work for me. Well, And again, it doesn't work for some people. It, is, it really is not a good, good idea. However, it's also being it's, – it's done inaccurately. You're not actually fasting for – 12 hours, you're only fasting for eight hours. And then people go, well, it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because you didn't do it right. So if you're going to try something, make sure you actually know how it works. And don't be afraid to ask questions if you don't. 
Well, you know, my take on intermittent fasting, um, I don't, particularly, I don't love it for the record. I don't particularly love it. And, you know, a lot of people can disagree, but at least what I see with women, particularly of, you know, reproductive age from their teens to their forties, when they do intermittent fasting, it has a negative influence on their hormones. Yeah. And the whole thing that I'm doing with so many women or what I'm focusing on, I see so much PMS with women and that range from, you know, a change in mood, cramps, tender breasts, bloat, craving of sweets. Mm. I want to stabilize their blood sugar. So, you know, my philosophy is get up in the morning, have something to eat within an hour of getting up, maybe 90 minutes. Maybe. Yeah. And and particularly if you're working out, I think it's really imperative to be having protein in the morning and a healthy fat and fiber. Yeah. Well, also what we talked about earlier was intermittent fasting, right? We aren't hunter-gatherers anymore. No, we're not. We're not, not eating not one out. meal every couple no, of days. We're no, not going no. out trying to find some food. We have the access to food to be able to consume regularly. Yes. And so it's not like intermittent fasting, I think, is the easy way out. It's the quick fix. I'm just going to not eat for a while, eat a little bit here in the middle of the day. But it, you're also inadequately getting your nutrition in for your body type, right? Like most people don't eat enough. People don't eat enough. And that's the issue. And, you know, if women are doing intermittent fasting, I've looked at their food journals like, oh, my God, if I ate this, I'd weigh three pounds. <laughs> they're just not eating enough. And they're cranky and they're experiencing insomnia. And this goes for women that have gone, you know, through or premenopause or perimenopause and postmenopause. I'm all about stabilizing your blood sugar. I'm about eating smartly. I am, you know, healthy breakfast, lunch, lean protein and a lot of greens, and I know I'm repeating myself, and healthy fat, and slow-burning carbs. What are slow-burning carbs? They're like carrots, the sweet potato, parsnip. You know, get a lot of healthy fats. But the mystery, women and men, or I'm going to focus on women, are gaining weight, or they're, they're wanting to lose weight. It's not about starvation and calorie restriction. I believe that intermittent fasting at times can set people up for an eating disorder. And that is the last thing that women need. I have to say that what I see, oh my gosh, well, you see every these, day in my practice, I see a lot of apps. restrictive, I see a lot of restrictive eating and women don't even know. These fasting apps that they have now take you into longer fasts until you're at like a four sixteen window. I'm like, well, how are you supposed to consume a day's worth of food in a four hour window? You can't. Well, it's not natural. It's not no. healthy. I think people start obsessing when they're not eating because they want to eat. Right. You know, I grew up, I mean, my training started in Chinese medicine. I love Chinese medicine because it's about balance. My history and background, I was anorexic and bulimic. I had to learn how to eat and have a good relationship with food. And it and it still went on after I stopped purging. I still in my 30s how to figure out how to have a healthy relationship with food uh-huh. and know that eating protein and fat was not going to make me fat and e- eating healthy carbs were good for me. Right. They were really good. This is really funny and I have to say it right now. Sure. So I have a sister of mine. I love her madly. She's a few years younger. And at Thanksgiving, I called her up and I said, hey, you know, I was going to spend Thanksgiving with her. She's a state over. I said, I'm going to bring a pumpkin dairy-free pumpkin cream, coconut cream pie. I can't even remember what it was. And she was like, 
I'm not going to cater this meal for you. It's not going to be gluten-free. And I was like, whoa. I said, I'm just bringing a pie. I said, I just don't have a great time with gluten and dairy. You know that. And I said, whatever you make, I'm going to eat. I said, it's Thanksgiving. But certain things I watch, I do not do well with gluten and dairy. And, uh, and then okay. she just, and then she went into, you know, you have an issue around food. You just seem to obsess about it. It's everything you do. And I'm like, oh my God, it's kind of what I do for a living. And I enjoy and celebrate food. So she, we haven't spoken for a while. All she about just went on this whole tirade of, you have, you have an eating disorder. And I was like, oh my God. Because you brought said, the devil's you know dairy-free pumpkin pie. I was like, because yeah, I'm bringing it. I was like, I pushed some buttons there. So I love her madly. I'm sure at some point we will have a conversation. But we have to find a healthy balance in how we eat and we, we look at food. And, you know, what I love about Chinese medicine, it was eating healthy protein, getting good, you know, healthy carbs and getting a balance of veggies. And it was having breakfast, lunch and dinner and having snacks in between. It was very balanced. We're not balanced anymore. We're looking for a quick fix to find yeah, that Everybody perfect, wants the easy way out. Pe yes. People want that perfect zone where I am going to have perfect body composition and what, you know, what I, I see a lot of, and I'd like you to comment on this, is women are doing, you know, there are extremes, but I'm going to focus on the group of women that are doing way too much cardio. Ugh. And then the weight resistance that they do is like, they're doing weights that are one and two pounds. Uh -huh. <laughs> and they're wondering why there's no change. Uh -huh. So let's talk about that. Because what I see and people, I'm just going to say it, Rob, I see it a lot in Orange Theory. I see these amazing women working out super, super hard and they're, they're cranking it on the treadmill. And I see a lot of skinny fats, a lot of soft body composition. Yeah, it's really sad. It is. And I, I, I want to talk about run, that because I think it's... You're going to run it all off. Well, you're not running just, all off. You're going to run everything off. Well, people think <laughs> that running and a lot of cardio is what gets you in shape. So let's talk about the benefits of cardio, the benefits of smart weight and resistance training. And I know for me, I am not doing well with the high impact training. As I, as I mentioned to you mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, it really made me, I think it it's- It takes a toll. It sure does. Well, I blew, I kind of threw my back out and mm -hmm. I just went, I am doing way too much cardio. I need to rethink my workouts, get back into doing more, you know, you know, bringing up the, the weight resistance and doing more core. And that's what I'm doing and noticing that I feel better. But I love Orange Theory. I think I love doing it during, you know, COVID because it was a lot of fun to be around, you know, other people and work out hard. But I found that at times, I mean, man, my recovery was not great. So I'm dialing it way, way back and I'll, I'll see if you know, I will continue with it. And I'm not discouraging people from doing orange theory, but I think there has to be a balance. So of course, there isn't anything that you should do every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Rest is and rest recovery is one of the most yes. underutilized pieces of training. It's not it's not an off day. It is a piece of your training because that's when your body gets a chance to heal. Orange theory is a great, a great workout. It's well balanced. It's got a lot of stuff in it, but that's also why we have coaches is to make sure that you are using it appropriately. And everybody is different. We have a body compositions 
analysis machine that we can use in the lobby to help kind of create a, a more of, a, of an actual picture of what your makeup is, some people respond better to certain things. But yeah, the whole cardio idea of I'm just going to run and run, 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 run until until I lose all my weight is is not the answer. You're going to not only get a run if your body responds and you run your fat off, you'll also run your muscle right off too. Yes. Which is not good either because muscle burns right. calories, right? That's what we need to, to live, to move, to do anything. And also to just interject, and part of that equation, women do not eat enough protein. No. They starve themselves and then they run, run, run. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, and I'll just interject. I had someone right before I got on with you and we checked in and I said, hey, how, you know, didn't send me your food journal. What's, what's going on? Well, and I listened to what she'd been eating. I said, I'm not hearing any protein. What's going on here? Well, I was just, uh, you know, got my blood results back and my triglycerides are high. <laughs> I said, my love, your triglycerides are high. Not because we just suddenly introduced lean protein. And that was lean, you know, turkey and chicken and, and fish in her diet and lean grass fed beef and bison. I said, your triglycerides are elevated because you have too many carbs in your diet. Right. Totally. And carbs spike insulin, which tells your body to store it as fat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, just had a so what is happening? And I don't know, you know, my previous episode, I don't know if you had a chance to hear it with Lyra Keith, you know, she was a vegan mm -hmm. for 20 years, totally trashed her health mm -hmm. and had to reintroduce, you know, animal protein and fish in her diet to, to recover and heal. And I want women to realize meat is good for you. Fish is very good for you. Your bone density is not just dependent on calcium and D it's right. protein. I mean, way back when, when we were, when we were hunter gatherers, mm -hmm. Right. And we were kind of, we didn't have, we had no idea about health and wellness and fitness and issues or whatever. We didn't instinctually go for, for plants. What yeah. did we do? We created weapons. We something nutrient dense. We, we created weapons <laughs> and we instinctually yeah. sought after animals, right? We sought after deer, fish, whatever we could get and consumed it. And we were fine. And we didn't have, again, we've, we obviously over time learned how to cook things with when we, you know, and the man invented fire, you know, so we've lost the need for an appendix to help digest raw meats and stuff, <laughs> but it's what we instinctually go for. It's what we instinctually wanted. So why have we all of a sudden bastardized protein and gone away from it? You know, it's terrible. Well, I, I think part of it is, and I, I'm hoping I can, I, I want to do an episode on restorative farming. And oh, that yeah. involves raising of animals and talking more about the cycle of life. You know, yeah, sure. things live and they die and there's this cycle and animals are very important to cultivate our soil. Uh -huh. You just can't grow vegetables without having animals as being part of that framework. Right. You know, there's manure in the soil, the little chickies come in and right. they do their thing. And there's a balance to to the life oh. cycle. And animals have always been a part of it. Yeah. And if we could live and be vegetarians, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be in business. A lot of the women that I see is they're just not eating a balanced diet. And ironically, no. women say they're vegetarian. I'm not seeing veg vegetables in their diet. I'm seeing a lot of carbs. Yes. And I'm not trying to, you know, I, I got to preface this, and I, I mean this from a really good place in my heart. 
you know, if you're following a vegetarian diet, just make sure that you're getting a really good balance of healthy proteins. Work with someone that does that specifically and balancing that obviously with healthy fats and, and vegetables. But I'm right. not seeing that. And a lot of women show up in my office because they want to regulate their hormones. And sometimes, Rob, it's a combination. And I want to get into this more with you. Not enough protein, healthy fat, working out too hard. Right. So I guess I want to ask, what realistically is a healthy amount of cardio and weight training? Like when women do cardio, how many times a week, Rob, what are we aiming for in, in a time frame of cardio? And what are we aiming in a time frame of how many times do women lift weights or weight resistance? And how long should, what is the duration? Of the workout? It all depends on mostly where you are in your training regimen, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? Are you someone who is a former athlete? Are you someone who's brand new into exercise? Your prescription will be different based on who you are. I would not give a first timer the same program that I would give somebody who's coming off, you know, being a college athlete and is quote unquote right. retired and wants to continue to exercise to stay fit. Their bodies are able to handle different loads. So I would say, but either regardless, I would never go more, you know, than like, I would never go more than three day, three to four days of cardio. I think that that's absolutely, and it depends on the length, right? Like, and also it, how long. So if a woman is doing, yeah, I really want to emphasize an hour is no. an hour is way too much. Is I mean, unless you're training specifically for, but this is like the right. common daily. Yeah, I mean, so not, the people, our listeners, they're not, I mean, and a lot of people have a hard time working out. Yeah. Well, you got the Sunday marathoners. They're like, oh, I want to run a marathon this year. That's great. Just make sure that you're, you know, if you, if you don't have a plan, go get one and follow it as it yeah. says. No, but I mean, 20 to 30 minutes tops. I mean, there's so much science and research out there now and proven results from more interval-based training, you know, more, you know. Can you talk a little about that to the women that are listening? Yeah, you can maximize your time, you know, and your efficiency, you know, by working through intervals of spiking your heart rate, spiking your intensity and coming back down and rest and recovering because, and the success is because of the rest and recovery aspect within the intervals. It gives your body a chance to push the limit, walk that line of I'm almost stressed out. And now I can come back and come back and recover and rest and let my body chill out again. And it doesn't overload your nervous system because when you go, 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 go for extended periods of time, 30 minutes and beyond at the same tempo, that starts to create a stress release in your body from a chemical standpoint. Yes. It doesn't matter what you do. If your body starts to regularly produce cortisol, for lack of a better word, you're, you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and you know, it's so interesting. I love that you brought that up. Because, and I've seen this, and you actually referred to a couple of people that have this issue. If you work out too much, it becomes a stressor on your mm -hmm. body. It can dysregulate your hormones or you stop getting your period. And it can also elevate your cortisol levels to the point that you start blowing out your adrenals. Mm -hmm. And I've seen women suddenly put on 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. Because they're, they, out of balance. they're out of balance. Your body can't differentiate between you being charged by a tiger in the jungle and you working out too much. So the, the extremes that I see are people working out way too much mm -hmm. with not enough recovery time. Right. And, you paired know, paired with under eating. Paired with, coupled with, uh, with under eating. 
and you know, it's a real challenge for, to, it almost sounds counterintuitive to, for women to say, well, wait a minute, I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I mean, I can actually do like a 20, 25, 30 minute run or a cardio of some interval training and that's it. And do that, you know, maybe four days a week, three to four. Right. Yeah, right. Am I right? Mm-hmm. So what, in terms of weight training, what's, what, what's a smart way for women that are working out on their own? What can they do? What would to couple that with what you're recommending in, with cardio? So, you know, in an ideal world, two to three days of, of interval-based cardio or conditioning, you know, is mm-hmm. a good way to call it, paired with. So you're saying two to three days of cardio now? I thought you said. I said ideal. I wouldn't go more than four. Yeah, I didn't I think so. I wouldn't go more I, than I four. I wouldn't either. Yeah, Again, that's, that depends on who you are. If you're a, f- a former athlete and you're used to practicing every yeah, day, but, yeah. you could handle we're, it. We're, we're not – no offense no, to anyone no, no, no. listening here. I, 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 no. wanted, I want people to walk away going, I can do this. But that's – you know, that's – This is doable. That's what this podcast – I want right, people to walk away with so, some good takeaways, you know, with how can I work out. And, right. So two to three days of good, efficient, effective interval-based cardio – Paired with at least two full days because it's a, there are a lot of muscles in the body from top to bottom, mm-hmm. front and back, that you, I don't believe that you can effectively hit them all in one oh, no. time-efficient workout. Some will say, yes, you can. You can hit a total body workout in 20 minutes. I mean, you can. Um, that's interesting. Maybe if you're on a little speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not in my world. You know, I couldn't I do that. I couldn't do that in 20. I work out. I mean, I couldn't. But again, if you're, if you're hitting every muscle group <laughs> yeah. in your body in a 20-minute time span, that almost becomes cardio-based. Yes, it does. And it's going to have the same physiological effect right. as going for a 20 to 30-minute run, like a 30-minute yeah. straight yeah. run. Mm-hmm. So slowing down, having a drastically different intensity with which you work having a more isolated approach to mm-hmm. specific muscle groups so that you can appropriately target them. Because if you try to do these complex multi-joint, multi-planar movements, you're going to start – You everybody innately has a dominant and a weak side, and one's going to take mm-hmm. over. So if you, you yeah. need to have a program that isolates, you know, isolates joints, isolates muscle groups where you can identify a good side and a bad side, a strong side and a weak side, and then you can – become more balanced. You can recognize because once you know where your imbalance is, everybody has one. So I guess what kind of weight programs would you recommend? Would you recommend looking at apps? Would you recommend, you know, right now with COVID still people are not going to the gym and there are some really good apps and I think people could explore them. There are. I don't, I don't have one app in particular that I'm particularly like super endorse. And that just could be because there's so many out there now that I, yeah. I'm sure there are some good ones. I would just look when you're reading through a sample program or you're in the process of consulting with somebody, stay away from a program that's going to be trying to combine everything. You know, mm-hmm. I try to follow the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, right? Mm-hmm. There are only so many exercises that exist out there and they all still work if you follow a structured and regimented program. You don't have to you see a lot of people are trying to reinvent fitness and reinvent the wheel and add a band and and a ball and all this kind of crazy stuff. It doesn't need to be it. It is not the most glamorous thing all the time, but it is effective and it does work. So a program that has simple but consistent patterns and movements 
are what I would look for. And I, I can do some more research so that we can share a link when we share the podcast as well. Yeah, I would like that. For because some I think that's Yeah, I, I feel that people could really, that's what they're benefiting yeah, or looking for. I mean, I know what to look for. Sure. But for a lot of people, you know, if they could find a really good routine for a few days a week, and also that would kind of evolve. Yeah. So I know? think a perfect plan for somebody mm-hmm. keeping in mind the stress and significance of rest and recovery mm-hmm. Would be, you know, a two to two kind of scenario where you have two dedicated strength days where you have like a lower body only strength day where you hit from the waist down. You can hit your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, Mm -hmm. your adductors and abductors, all your internal and external stabilizers, all that stuff. Then you have cute little glutes. Everybody wants that, those little. Little sweet cannonball buns. That's right. You can't, you can't <laughs> skip out on the booty. You can't. And we're going to hit this in a moment. We're going to talk about abs. And then on the other day, focusing on upper body. I think that's totally smart, totally doable, One, right? Right. The lower half keeps us up. Yeah. The upper half allows us to live and function. When we type on a keyboard, when we drive mm-hmm. a car, when we pick our children up from somewhere, when we go to do yard work, when we go to do dishes or make dinner – that's all with your hands. I recently just, this is my second day. I had a shoulder injury and I'm out oh, of my God, sling yeah. for the second day. Oh, good. Let me tell you how eye-opening it was to have just be one-handed for three weeks. Oh, God. You One of the most frustrating things to do being one-handed, and you're going to mm. laugh when you hear this, put on socks. <laughs> and anybody who's listening who's been... I, one of my one of my members tell me she's like welcome to being pregnant. So anybody who's been pregnant, just <laughs> attempting to get to your feet with two hands, she's like, you know. Now you have I, a deeper like, reference you, for women, right? Uh, I have never <laughs> listen. I have no interest in being pregnant, and I think all women that are pregnant or do become pregnant are superheroes. They are little rock stars. <laughs> they are, they are they superheroes. Really are. <laughs> I want no part of that. No part of it. Yeah. I mean, putting on socks one-handed, I felt like a turtle on my back. It was the worst thing ever. But anyway, back to a program of two days a week strength training to make sure that we're posturally sound, working on good corrective functional exercise. Unless, like, Again, we're not training to be cover models in a magazine. We're not training for the Super Bowl or to go be professional athletes anywhere. We just want to be able to feel good and move good and be pain-free. And if people really get into that, then maybe they eventually can take it to the next level. Yeah, and right? there are and there are programs and, great, and trainers a, for that. Yes, so I, I just want to. But you have to have uh, a foundation. So making sure yes, that you're you're absolutely s- from a structural standpoint, muscularly, you mm-hmm. are balanced and sound, posturally effective, and then from a cardiovascular standpoint, right to another two days a week of your a quick, effective, timely, efficient interval-based cardio then you're healthy from a heart and lung standpoint as well. So we're looking at two days of resistance, upper, lower body, mm-hmm. three days cardio. Two to three. Okay. Two to three. three. People That's, need to de-stress if they're sure. sitting in the chair. And like, I that had still a gives sit. You, that still yeah. gives you, right, let's totally. say five days. If you do have a two, a two, and a one, it still gives you a day between each one. And, and I'd like you to talk about this right now, and doing some core strengthening. And let's talk about doing abs. Hmm. Okay. And what really, you know, what helps women have, I'm going to say healthy, normal abdominal muscles. You know, here's one thing. Women are not wired to be at like 10% body fat. And I just want to preface this. 
Healthy body fat for women, particularly if they're trying to get pregnant, you know, the range right now was, I love this, 18.5 to 24.9. In my world, women have a lot of time with regular cycles and getting pregnant when they're 18, 19. And I actually have women, it's just, your body needs a little more fat. So I I just want to put out to women, you know, having body fat, like 22%, I mean, if you're still in the low range, get yourself up there. I think it makes a big difference. Sure. Makes a big difference in their cycle. And I don't want to get so hooked on how much body fat. I mean, I do think there's a healthy range and that's another, another story, but getting too lean is not good for women's hormones or bone density, or, I mean, they can just stop having a cycle, lighter cycles, not good. Yeah. I think I told you the story about my sister once. My sister was like 15, started like going to the gym and she just ran for 45 minutes for like a month. And then it was an hour and then it was an hour and 15 minutes. And then it was an hour and a half. She was got up to like almost two hours a day straight of just straight running. And Mm. she ran herself so thin, wasn't eating a ton. And at the age of 15, lost her period. Yeah. And it had since triggered a bunch of, a bunch of things after that, that it took years to overcome and rebuild. And it took, you know, and she was, I mean, she got down to an extremely unhealthy weight, I think right around a hundred pounds and we're Sicilian people. We have big backsides. We are, we are not meant to be a hundred pounds. I think I was a hundred pounds at like eight years old. Maybe that's when we're supposed to be a hundred pounds <laughs> You're at birth. That was a walking meatball. It was a walking meatball, <laughs> you know, but we're not meant to be We're no. it's, that's not what we're supposed to be. So she's, you know, has since figured that all out and has created and established much more of a balance in her life from how much she exercises and the way in which she exercises mm-hmm. to her, making sure her nutrition follows suit. And yeah. she's not a hundred pounds, but she is happy and healthy and she feels great. Good. And that's, Let's talk about so incorporating some core and ab stuff. So how do we get better abs? Protein. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I say to people like, yeah. how many crunches do I do? I'm like, 30 grams. Your- 30 yeah. grams <laughs> with each meal. I mean, I, 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 you know, what's funny upping your protein. I know I sound like the biggest broken record. It will change your life. I and a lot of women will attest to that, that I work with. It changed their lives. They well, started to lean out. Mm-hmm. Their periods regulated. Mm-hmm. They, they got pregnant. They had healthy pregnancy. Isn't Yay. that awesome? Yay. So, you know, and again, it's a balance of eating, you know, plant, a lot of vegetables and stuff, but you need protein. Your muscles are made out of protein. They're not made out of carbs. They're muscles. They're They're muscles. muscles. So if you think, and and we're going to get to the abs, well, we are talking about the abs. Yeah. Eat a lot of protein. And you know that belly fat that people have? The more you, (laughs) when you gain, when you have healthy muscle composition, you're going to start leaning out that, that belly fat. Right. And so how do you do that? Here's the simplest. By what you eat, eat right. protein. Here's the simplest, <laughs> simplest phrase or, yes. or whatever to, or saying to take away. Mm-hmm. You exercise to feel good. You eat to look good. Oh, right? I love that. Say that. Please say that one more time. You exercise to feel good. You eat to look good. Yeah. Because you could be exercising your ass off and be extremely fit and 
in shape and strong, but you may not look it because your diet does not reflect that. No. Right. You, and, you cannot yeah. out train a bad diet. No, you can't. You and cannot. that's what I said in the beginning. It's 80% so, diet. I right. mean, so how to yeah. do core yeah. and get, and get a good, healthy, strong core. It is like any other muscle group. It needs to be trained regularly. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it needs to be done, you know, but I also firmly believe in training, you know, movements. What do we constantly do all day long? We sit or we stand, but either way, we're in an upright position fixed. Mm-hmm. So a good thing, a good staple in any core training program would be to train how we live. So a plank, which everybody hates, hate doing a plank, but a plank, if it's coached correctly, creates core stability and tightness, brings the waistline in a little bit, brings everything in a little bit, creates some stability because we hold ourselves up all day long, whether we're sitting or standing. So that is what we don't sit here and crunch all day long, right? So making sure that you at least incorporate that, but also working, you know, movements that do bring the upper body towards the lower body, making sure that we also do exercise that bring, you know, that create separation. That way we do like, like drops or whatever. I mean, making sure that you move in all the planes that you would ever see in, in life are making are, are good to incorporate in your training program for core. So how many planks? A million. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, no. <laughs> I, a plank is honestly something that you could do daily. A couple minutes yeah. every day, every day. You got to get up and you got to work every day. It's not going to so overdo it. So just hold it. it. Yeah. I yeah, mean, your key, core is like a key barrel. To a plank, it's an act. Yeah. You know, there's active planks. You're like, Oh, I can't do a plank because right. it hurts my back. Well, it hurts your back because mm-hmm. you're not engaging your core. You're not actually yeah. using what you should be using to perform said exercise, mm-hmm. right? You want to actively engage and pull your belly button in towards your spine, right? You have three main muscle groups. I mean, kind of more, but you have your, your six pack abs, your rectus abdominis that runs over the top. Mm-hmm. And that's the visual ones. You know, then you have your obliques on the side that help us kind of stay up and down from side to side and yeah. rotate a little bit. And then underneath them all, you have what's called your transverse abdominus, which is essentially, if anybody's ever watched anybody do like heavy weightlifting, that's your natural weight belt. When you see those big bodybuilder guys, they wrap that big belt around them. It's because they're trying to create security and tension within their midsection to protect their back. Well, they have a muscle, everyone does, that if you properly engage it, you don't need that belt. Again, they're pushing the limits of, of weight and strength on the human body, so that's a different story. But yeah. I see people wearing weight belts that are picking up like 45 pounds. I'm like, that is ridiculous. So the, when you're fully executing a plank, the idea that when you're in that bridge position is to essentially, for lack of a better word, suck in your stomach as far as you can and hold it. Right? That's going to create the tension. That's going to keep you safe and protected and creates that security. Um, and I guarantee if you start holding planks and you, hold, you suck your stomach in and pull your belly button towards your spine and hold it as long and hard as you can, actively squeezing and engaging – you will no longer feel back pain. Thank you, Dr. Rob. It's true. <laughs> it's the truth. It's true. Core I mean, my dad, my dad had, um, again, he's male, but in general, and I, just an example is he had three micro discectomies. So he had some degenerative discs in his mm-hmm. lumbar spine over years of tough jobs and whatever. And they, after the third one, they pitched him to do actually after the first one, but he said, no, they wanted to do a, a spinal fusion and mm. fuse his vertebrae. And he was like, 
what, what's going to happen. Like, we're going to lose a lot of mobility. It'll be pretty stiff, but like your joints won't be rubbing on each other. So in theory, they shouldn't hurt anymore. He goes, well, what are my alternatives? And the guy said, he goes, or you could get your core really strong. Hmm. I can either do massive surgery or you can go get your core wow. really strong. And that was extremely profound to hear from a guy who makes money cutting people open. He get, fin- finally heard somebody like that give an, al- give an alternative to surgery. How do I help my back? Get your core really strong. Yeah. It's huge. It is, is huge. Uh, you know, I thank you for sharing that because that just it reminds me to like do more planks when I've been sitting at my desk a lot lately because yeah. doing a lot of clients and I'm doing a lot of writing and it's like, it doesn't, it's like, oh, I got to get up more and which I'm trying to do, but the planks are really helpful. Core is something that you can work in on all of your training days. Yes. Right. So you true. can work in core yeah. oh. and the core, right. is not something that you have to go super heavy or whatever. It is muscle. So you can add resistance to it. Right. But mm-hmm. it, it's not an, like I need to go do abs for an hour, you know, no, if you're no, effective it's just some, with right. your time, five, 10, 15 minutes, depending on your level of fitness at the end of your workout on all of your workout days, on your two strength days for your lower body and your upper body on your cardio days. If you have back problems after doing that regimentally four times a week, I would love to, I would love to talk a little deeper with you and figure out what else the hell you're doing. To do yeah. that. Maybe you're sho- shoveling too much snow somewhere. Well, here's the big one. You and I have talked about this a lot. I see with so many women, and I don't know if it's just a result of living on the computer, rounded shoulders, cervical spine and, and, and head thrust forward and the hunchback this, giraffe. Oh my God. But I'm seeing this. This is really disconcerting. I'm seeing this in women in their teens and in their twenties. And I see it in class mm-hmm. and people are doing, you know, uh, hammer curls and, and different stuff, or even when they're running and their posture is just, it's mm-hmm. the upper posture. It's terrible. So can we talk about that? That's a big problem. Yeah. I don't know if there's a myth associated with posture other than don't ever skimp on it. It is extremely necessary in all parts of life. The posture, we live in a society and a culture that pulls us forward mm-hmm. from sitting at a table to eat, to working at a computer, to driving, to right. looking down at our phones for it feels like forever all day long. Mm-hmm. But we live hunched and tucked, right? And we then we slack so much on posterior chain, anything on the backside, right? Like, for example, I was a baseball player in college, well, my whole life and in college. And, you know, you throw a ball forwards. Well, we had to do twice as many reps in reverse as we did forward. So, for example, if I did 100 throws in a, in a practice or a workout, I would have to do 200 reps the opposite direction to make sure that I stayed in balance. So not only is it, oh, I, you know, I need to make sure I get my postural work in, it should be the focus and the foundation. So what do you recommend? I mean, what I see is, you know, very tightening of the pectoralis muscles and people are not engaging their, their rhomboids. <laughs> From a fitness standpoint, yeah. you should have, you know, every workout should start with some sort of a dynamic warm-up and cool-down. But your dynamic warm-up should be movements that get your shoulder blades to protract and retract, to elevate and, and depress 
you know, to get them to move in all, all planes, all planes of movement, but making sure that you also have on your upper body strength day that you are putting a heavy emphasis on exercises that focus on retraction. Yeah. Retraction is big. Different row variations, you know, different pull down variations, things that force you to engage and expand and your thoracic spine. And actually I see that as being a big issue for women. And because of that, you know what that does when, when especially in bigger chested women too. Oh yeah. It's not your fault, but it's even more of a concern for you to train. You know, that, that anterior rotation. And sometimes what I see is there's a collapsing of the chest and the diaphragm. Yeah. You're not able to take that deep breath. Right. So what I've seen over the years when doing acupuncture, so many women would come in with this chronic, you know, neck shoulder pain. And I said, you've got to work with a trainer or someone mm-hmm. that's going to show you yes. how to actually to hold your back, to engage those muscles so that when you're actually retracting, you can't project your head forward. Mm-hmm. It is a big problem. And I see it a lot. And, and I look at a lot of women when I work out and I'm like, oh, they're going to have herniated discs and a lot of cervical oh, yeah. issues and radiculopathy going on if that that is not addressed. So I hope in classes, in all classes everywhere, that that is addressed with women because particularly I see with American women. I try, have, to, I try know, to make a point I know you in, in all my classes and and also in my personal training yeah, to make a point of, to teach engagement. I mean, in anything that we do, my job is not just to administer a good workout and get your heart rate up and make you sweat. It's mm-hmm. to also educate you on why we do or why we are performing yeah. these movements. What is the benefit mm-hmm. of it? And what is your ultimate takeaway? So the easiest thing is I'll walk around and upon you know, obviously giving consent, I put one finger right in the middle of their spine and their upper back. And I said, I want you to squeeze my finger. And it's, it's sad how many, they like, they can't, they move their arms, but their shoulders don't go anywhere. It's like their shoulder blades are stuck, right? right? So trying to force and teach retraction is there's a huge, huge need for it. But I mean, I, taking pride in, in making sure that people are educated as to why um, is also a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I think the big takeaway here in part of this part of the conversation is really understanding and feeling the retraction in your body. Your body's got to go, oh, so that's what it feels like. Right. And also doing that core, you know, doing the core work where you're doing planks where you can actually feel, oh, so this is what a plank feels like. Mm-hmm. My core, it's not just my abdomen, but it's a 360 around my trunk. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your core by definition includes the shoulder girdle and the hip girdle. That is by definition your core, your so abs, yes. or your belly, and mm-hmm. your sides, right? But your core is your entire torso. You've got to engage the whole torso. And I think that that is profound. So I, I think a few takeaways that I would like to have is just that that starting your morning within the hour, I really mean it, it's going to change your world. Uh is get up in the morning, have a glass of water, put a squeeze of lemon. I love Redmond salt. Put a pinch of salt that's going to start to stimulate your digestion and your metabolism. So you actually start to feel hungry. Uh So you can have that shake or I don't care. You know, I have a lot of women having chicken stew and soup for breakfast or salmon and veggies to me, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, same meal. Also that protein is our friend. And it is our friend with 
in every meal. And if women are saying, oh, I can't eat protein, it doesn't feel good in my stomach. Well, that's usually an indication that you probably are not digesting And it's not the protein's fault. No, you, you need digestive enzymes. It's not the protein that's making you feel that way. No. There's something that's wrong. That's There's something amiss, and that's right. where I tweak. It could be low stomach acid, pancreatic sure. enzymes. Makes but the takeaway here difference. is that protein is not the problem. No. Protein it is isn't. not the problem. No. Protein is your friend. Uh-huh. And that you cardio. don't have to kill yourself at cardio. Excessive that cardio. Excessive cardio work will backfire all the time. Stop intermittent fasting. Yes. <laughs> Rest and recovery, and I, I want to interject here, eight hours of sleep, not five or six. You're going to – you're just – it works so against you. Uh-huh. You need to get that sleep. And what we can do, Rob, as you said, we'll, I'm going to we'll, – I'll take some of your tips. I'm going to put them in the show notes so people can really get yeah. a sense of this. But, Rob, you know, is there one more takeaway before we stop and conclude our beautiful podcast? The biggest takeaway for me would be – to use the accessibility to information that we have. You're not expected to have all the answers or, in fact, even know where to go. But we have tools like the internet and social media to at least start to guide us in the right direction. But don't be Hopefully afraid to Hopefully the right go, information. <laughs> right. But go down a yes. rabbit hole. But also yes. don't take the first thing you read either. No. See if you read a few things, read a lot of Absolutely. things. Remember, at the end of the day, it's your health. And, and you know, truthfully, there's, there's a lot of good info. There is a lot of, there's a lot of great info yeah. out there because yes. there's a lot of brilliant people, but there's also, yes, there is. there's like a lot us. of people, there's a lot of people that, <laughs> thank you. There's a lot of people that will push something to make a buck and not yeah. because it's actually going to be beneficial for you and your health and your journey because your journey is 100% custom to you and it's different from everybody else's. So thank you, Rob, for being here. And I want to thank everyone for listening in. And if you need a little help with your nutrition and setting up a program, reach out to me at megarichichi.com. If you like what you hear, please share. And you can go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe. Give me a thumbs up review. Would love it. And until next time, please take good care. Take care of that precious body. Love yourself. Bring sweet balance in. Dial back on the run, or maybe you increase and, and do a little, a little more of a challenge. But find the balance. And I hope today's episode was helpful. And I will see you guys all soon. Take good care. <laughs>